Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to Shop Talk Show. This is episode number 143. We have two lovely sponsors for you. One is a new sponsor, One Month iOS. And the, the URL here the, to remember is onemonth.com slash shop talk iOS. One Month iOS is the easiest way to learn iOS development using Swift. This is modern stuff. They teach you how to build an iPhone app from scratch in 30 days. It's awesome. We'll tell you more about it later in the show. And lynda.com, that's L-Y-N-D-A.com slash shop talk. How does it go? L-Y-N-D-A. Seven-day free trial at L-Y-N-D-A.com slash shop talk. Let's kick things off. Dear listener, you're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave Rupert, a sickly Dave Rupert, <laughs> and with me is Chris Goyer. Let's see. Uh, hopefully, you know, it just doesn't take a lot of energy to podcast. Hope your voice will hold up through this. Yeah, it just means everyone's going to sound like a raspy old man who's smoked and drank whiskeys. Oh, say, I hope you feel better, son. Real soon. <laughs> I, I do declare. You do not want to be coughing up flam. That is non-standard body activity. I do declare <laughs> our listenership did not pay for this type of raspy voicitation. <laughs> is that a word? It I'm is. doing really bad. Hey, I should have done. I should have had a lot of Nyquil before the show, but I did not. Uh, uh, you, um, you can't go back in time. These are the, these are the, this is a special kind of show. It's a rapid fire show. And as such, we try to get into the Q&A as quickly as possible and always fail. So that's what's happening now. It's the stage we're in, you might say. Oh, yeah. So we'll get into the <laughs> Q&A. First question comes. This is from- a rata ask, but go ahead. Because I think we mentioned this in a previous episode and it's related. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So Steve Schwartz writes in, a question about responsive images. I just came across this CSS approach about uh, to specify a focal point of an image in the browser and resize when it's cropped and adjusted to a specific point. Uh, and there's a link to Adam Bradley's GitHub, and the repo is focal-point. Uh, it doesn't solve the problem of sending large images to low-bandwidth devices, but it does seem to let you automatically keep the interesting part of an image in view on many devices. What do you think, WDYT? Yeah, uh, I just <laughs> think we mentioned this before. It was the idea that one of the ways that, you know, there's this, there's the whole idea of responsive images of, you know, sending flashback. different images to different devices. And we've talked about that a billion times. But then there's this other idea of that you don't necessarily need to keep the same aspect ratio or even show all of the image. 
um, at, uh, at viewports of all different sizes. And if so, meaning that you might crop some off the top or the bottom, maybe, you know, not always, but, you know, maybe that works for your publication. Maybe it's just the deal. And there's a picture of a little girl holding a rose and you maybe you want to make sure that the, the rose is the point and maybe it's towards the top right of the image or something. You would want to make sure that the top right isn't the place where it starts cropping when you do that. So I guess this is a, a, a library or technique or something that uh, allows it so when you resize and you're, if you're going to go that cropping route that it makes sure that the rose is the focal point and, and it crops from edges away from that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to point it out because I think we talked about this in the past and didn't link anything up in specific and didn't have a solution for it really and whatever. Yeah, and there was also a jQuery one as well. I, you know, I got to think this is sort of a solved problem, you know, from like an image magic kind of perspective. So maybe somebody who's super good with image magic can tell us if, if there's some sort of API or something uh, for like image magic focal point. Oh, no. Matt, are you Googling too? I'm I'm Googling. No, nothing. No, not really. I, uh, yep. Nope. Anyway, I, it, I'm very. Seems like doing it client side or anything like that is kind of the rough way to do it. But you know, uh, maybe maybe there is an option. So, all right. That's pretty good. This one in there. I just wanted. I just wanted to put this question out there. This is, Steve was just saying, hey, there's this thing that exists, and and I don't see any reason not to endorse it, and it, and no reason that it can't work in conjunction with responsive images techniques. You know. Yeah. These things can work together. Zach Wolf writes in, I am working on a refactor of a site I built a while ago. In that site, I'm loading a font file just for the logo which seems like it might be unneeded page bloat. So presumably the logo is text and the font file is a particular font that that logo is in. And that's the only place he uses it on the whole page. My question is, is it worth the time subsetting a font for only the characters I need or would a better approach be some sort of accessible SVG? So the point is he's trying to be really responsible and about this. Uh, I, I, it seems to me that you wouldn't load a whole font, even if it's subset it just for a logo. That seems like pretty extreme. Yeah. Even if, I, yeah. I, my general opinion is like, you know, for putting a logo in an icon font is breaking the purpose. I mean, you can totally, but that's a different territory. I, that's where my mind yeah. went when I first read this too, but I think that's not what he's saying. I think he's just saying like, I'm going to make a font that only has the letters D A V E in it. And then uh-huh. the my logo is just going to say Dave in that in that font. Oh, okay. So like, yeah, just subsetting the the text for that thing. You, yeah, I would I would just make an SVG and do an outline, and I bet you come out better, right? Yeah, because then it's the, you know I, SVG is certainly the the way to go here. Because then it's just one even an image is the way to go almost. Because it's it's just it just seems like unless you think in the future you're going to use that font more places on the page, which seems to make sense. Because why would you not use that same font for like headers and stuff if that's if that's the one in your logo or 
I don't know. It just seems like just make it SVG, drop it on the page as SVG. That's what SVG is for, and you'll be you'll be fine. If you're already using an icon font, which uh, I know, and then that's where Dave was about to go. You could make your whole logo just one character in that font. That seems pretty weird too. And I, I guess we should probably stop encouraging people from using icon fonts anyway because it's so easy to screw up. I've went on rants about that before, so maybe let's not do that this time. But uh, certainly a subsetted font for just a logo is just strikes me as very weird and don't do it. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's worth I would, it's yeah, I would not. I, I, the way I think about it is like you want to also have this thing where if somebody goes to your website and they want to talk about your company, you know, Dave Rupert LLC, you want them to have a way to abstract that, awesome logo of yours and, and put it in a PowerPoint or whatever they do. Um, I assume people just like making PowerPoints with logos, but I do this all the time. I'm talking about whatever company I'm working for or I'm doing something for a talk. I just, I go to their website and like try to scam their logo, which is probably against the law, but I do it. And, <laughs> and I'm just trying to like find the quickest way in, in, you know, and if it's like some, custom font you made it's like well i can't do that i you know i could paste with styles but that's not going to look how you wanted it to look so some sort of portable logo is kind of good so and if it was svg i could like and even an inline one or, or a svg use element kind of thing i could like figure out how to get your svg to show up for me so yeah anyway that's what i would say Good luck, Zach. There's no reason that this can't be highly accessible, you know, a, a solution no matter what you pick. Uh, I'm going to do a sponsor right away. Early in the show here, they they just j- jumped in to at the last minute. So 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 thanks very much for filling this spot for us. One month and it's and it's like the best fit ever for Shop Talk Show. I think one month dot com slash Shop Talk iOS is the thing. It's this 30 day course with Alfie Han Hansen, which is like two S's in there, who's the lead mobile engineer at Vimeo, so knows what he's doing, teaches this course uh, 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 of 30 days on in going from scratch in Swift, building an iOS app. Pretty cool. And what you end up building is like a photo sharing app uh, similar to Instagram, which, you know, it's that's cool and interesting. But it doesn't really matter what you build, right? It's like there's going to be – this is going to touch on all the stuff in iOS development. It's just like gives you a framework of something to build. Uh, you get one-on-one live support. You get to meet with your instructor and do this. So this is like taking a, a real class, and you have unlimited access to email support as you do this. It's a $900 course. It's $899. But the the only time they're ever offering a discount, this is the first time they're offering a discount, and the last time they're ever offering a discount is here on Chopdog Show for 25% off that $900. So you, in order to get that, you have to go to onemonth.com slash shoptalkios. So it's pretty cool. 30 minutes a day for 30 days. And the, the enrollment is limited. These classes sell out. So take advantage of the, of the, of the class. You know, they have to because they do this support. You know, they can't do one. They can't promise you one-on-one support if unlimited people, you know. Yeah, I was looking at the thing. It's like you get to talk to somebody. And, like, that's and you come out cool. of it an iOS developer. So it's pretty cool. I just wanted to, to show well, that. For I- like 900 minus 25% or whatever. Yeah, from anywhere, you know. I just think they do a good job. I've heard great stuff. And this is not their first product either. So they, like, they've like they been doing this. They know how it's going. But this is their iOS product. OneMonth.com slash iOS. You know, just all That's in a row awesome. there. Uh, about a year ago or two years ago, I was like, 
I'm just going to quit and become an iOS developer because yep. every iOS developer I know is rolling in gold. Mm. Like they That's all what drive. I want to be a WordPress theme developer. That's my dream. Because <laughs> they're all stupid rich. Yeah, it's incredible. Oh. But iOS is, yeah. that's where it's at. Okay. Ah. All right. That, There's no, not an unemployed I just talked iOS to him today, too. They're great folks. Robert Kayat. What, what, do what does he have to say? <laughs> I came across this. HTTPS colon slash trash the grid dot IO and watch their videos. I love the concept, but how do you think this will affect the web design industry as a freelance front end professional? I find it hard to cater to photography clients when services like smug Ug, uh, or smug mug uh, can undercut my services and niche example. Okay. So, uh, the grid IO, did you see this Chris? I, you know you, what? I, I, I should have watched the video before, but I get the gist of it. It's kind of like, algorithmic layout of content yeah. right you just feed uh, it stuff and it makes something beautiful that works on all devices you know it's typographically lovely you know it just uh it, this is not yeah. the first we've we've seen of this too i mean it, it's it's like the newest iteration and, and a beautiful one but there used to be ones before that did this i think there's one that kind of ended up turning into like flipboard because flipboard kind of does this too it like takes your feeds and makes like super beautiful newspaper layouts for it but uh, what's the difference here? Do you do, how does this differentiate from something like Flipboard? Yeah, I mean, basically, this is like a a robot web designer, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, it, it goes through and it used to hand it like a pile of Word documents or whatever, and and with images, and it'll just be like bleep bleep bleep. I have a website for you, and I think that's kind of super cool. Um, you know, I don't know how it'll affect web design. It, it probably means this, like, you know, the, the like entry level web design stuff, you know, this is like the future. If anything can automate, it will automate sort of thing. Um, but I don't know. I, it, it's tough. The, the thing I always have a problem with is like, you can, you can do a lot of stuff with a robot, but then everything will start looking the same or it'll, you know, it, uh, that doesn't mean like you made a really good navigation to make it. For it's the, not like it's AI users. we're talking about here though. It's just, it's freaking math and design and programming and stuff. And, and, and to just, to just, to just be like, you know, it's, it's almost reminds me of like a John Henry thing, you know, like, like if all you can do is swing a hammer, then you're at risk of, of a machine coming along to do your job for you. But you're not a hammer. You're a human wow, being. Dude. John Henry. That was a big D. That was a big, that's a good analogy. That's okay. Right off the cuff too. I just, my folk analogies are always top of mind. Uh, yeah, uh, can you get your banjo and play like John Henry? Song? <laughs> John Henry was Bullock. a desperate little man. That was John Hardy. Well, how does oh. John Henry go? It's like, oh, John Henry was a yeah, old driving man. There's that. There's like a. And then there's like a. Kill John Henry. Kill John Henry. That's like the follow up by that Towns, not like Towns Van Zandt's kid or whatever. Or the no, oh, yeah, Steve Ta Justin Towns Earl. You know that dude? He's badass. Uh, okay. I don't even remember what so, we were talking about. So, yeah. So, the the grid will, like, do an algorithm. It's like a robot web designer. And I think it's kind of cool. I'm curious to see what it does. You know, uh, I, I think what's probably, like, more likely is, you know, th this tool won't be 
I mean, I, I wish them the best, obviously, but it seems like somebody like Adobe or something would be interested in this product to like, you know, you give it a bunch of assets or something and then it'll spit out a, a website for you. They're in the, the kind of tools thing. So if it hit that level, it would be like, oh, geez, this is kind of serious. So, um, but I, I don't know. It's, it, it's interesting to think about. It's like, do we spend a lot or and or too much time designing websites, you know, when a robot could do most of it and we just have to come through and clean it up and go, yeah, no, yeah, no. I, I'm that's interesting to me. Well, no, in websites, I just I, I, I feel like it's dangerous to be anti these things when they come out. You know, a cool design tool comes out, you need to embrace it and go with the future. It's dangerous to be stodging, be like, they took her jobs. You know, that's no good. Right, but it's also like at some point it has a template, right? So at some point your content gets shoehorned into a template, and that to me seems like the dangerous thing. Uh, I mean, t- template-driven web design websites are just fine, like, but you know, if you can like just click around and your website gets a hundred different vibes based on the the slide you clicked, maybe it, I don't know. But Robert kind of talks about. Uh, like it's hard to cater to photography clients when services like this are emerging. And yeah, I mean, I think that's probably true and maybe you need to find a different client base, but uh, just cause uh, I always, I tell my friends like get off the ground as cheap as possible. And then when you need something, come and talk to me. So that would, that's usually what I would tell friends. The, yeah. Well, Absolutely. That's a, I mean, I would, that's a perfect analogy here. The grid and smug mug, also mentioned by Robert here, are, are kind of different. I mean, in a way, they're similar in that they're like, use this and get a website out of it or whatever. But you know, yeah, like smug mugs, like you put your photos there anyway. It's like a flicker thing, and then they're like, oh, BT Dubs, we do a photo portfolio for you, and we do, like, you can sell your photos from here and print them out at target or for your clients, you can do that. So kind of gets kind of serious. Yeah. You know, Robert, we've talked about this before and I, I don't have any particular shows to, to point at you before, but we've talked about like, you're the valuable person in this relationship. You can use these tools to build things for clients. Nothing is ever going to place you as a client services person. You can always do the best, most informed job. Don't worry about it. Embrace new technologies, yada, yada, yada. You'll be fine. I have all the faith in the world in you. Uh, yeah, maybe you can be a grid.io consultant. Why not? You know, go where the, you know, I saw a tweet that was just like, you know, as a father, I don't, I, I, I encourage my children not to be snake oil salesmen. You know, the real money is in <laughs> snake to snake sales. <laughs> so, I don't know where, how that's related, but I thought that was funny. <laughs> the real money's in snake to snakes <laughs> sales. Uh, Alex Miller writes in, he, and he gives us a little bit of CSS, the star selector. You've all seen that. Uh, it's kind of the logo for CSS tricks, kind of sort of inspiration. Uh, and then the classic two property values in there, margin zero, padding zero. It's kind of the universal reset, like the simplest CSS reset um, that could be. And it's kind of funny. Like the history of it is pretty interesting. Uh, I feel like, you know, the, the most popular reset, probably the Eric Meyer reset specifically avoided this, you know, it was more verbose and listed elements 
um, one by one as to not use this because, you know, maybe you want some margin on some elements or something. The real danger was if you added border zero to this because it would screw up the default styling of, 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 of form elements, some of them, particularly buttons mm. and inputs. But if you don't put border on here, it's less of a big deal. Alex Miller was just wondering if it's still a good practice. Uh using that star selector. And then it, this became under fire later on for, for being inefficient as a selector, you know, because it's a tag selector, number one. The star stands for any tag, really, is what it is. Um, and then it was inefficient just because it matched so many things and tag selectors aren't very efficient anyway and whatever. But then just that was never really substantiated. Nobody really came forth and said, look, this, look at how sucky this selector is. The only real proof you could get is like, look at this page that has 10 billion nodes on it. The selector star, 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 star is slow or something. And just a little slow. Yeah. You'd be like, okay, what, what if you have a regular website and you just use star, you know, CSS selector performance has never been a big deal. And it just becomes less and less of a big deal over time. So that was largely debunked, you know. So I, I think that it never really wasn't a best practice. I think it was always fine. And you know what? I use it everywhere. I've used it on every site I've ever built. I'm a fan of this thing. I feel like it's like T-shirt material. <laughs> star, star margin zero, padding zero is not a crime. <laughs> like That's good. Wording is not a crime. <laughs> Um, I, so I don't, I don't use, I use the Eric Meyer reset for a long time, but I've recently realized like it is like selector hell and it just fills up your, in all, all respect, not for nothing, but like, uh, it just, when you like dig through your, your web inspector yeah. computed styles, it's just, garbage. I've always kind of despised that too, even though it's kind of like, that's like a developer problem and I shouldn't, well, you know what I mean? Like, uh. yeah, I mean, it's long hair. Don't care, but it, it's, it becomes a maintenance problem for, that's what it became for me. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I don't, and then I was, uh, you know, I guess star would make total sense. I, but at the same, what I've started doing is I just do like body HTML div margin zero padding zero. And then like H one, two, three, four, five, six margin top zero, um, just kind of as like yeah, my yeah. image max width, a hundred percent height, auto, that sort of thing. Uh, those are like my, that's my reset. Um, but, or, and then, but I do do star box sizing border box or the, the new one. Mm -hmm. What was it like? Hey, HTML box sizing border box or whatever. HTML star. Exactly. And then the star selector, you say box sizing inherit. And that's just the, so it, so it cascades rather than setting it implicitly on every single yeah. item, which is clever, I think. It means it just it falls down through the document. So if you want to reset it, you can reset it on a parent element, and then that will cascade through it. So if you're like, okay, this whole section of the site, I want to actually not have this particular kind of box sizing. I want it to be something else just because, I don't know, maybe it's some component that I downloaded somewhere else on the Internet or whatever, and it's not ready for box sizing border box. It would be problematic before because the star selector would be touching every little item in there. Whereas with the inherent technique, you could just set it on the parent element and then that new box sizing would, would, would flow down through it naturally, which is smart. I think it's a good idea. Uh, <laughs> we've gotten a little bit away from Alex okay. Miller's thing, but just uh, don't worry about it. That's a perfectly fine selector. It's Chris Coyer approved. <laughs> ah, nice. Nice. <laughs> Start margin zero padding. Not zero, a nine, crime. Nine. I... 
I would look at normalized CSS, yeah. like the file. That's what we and, talked about there. Like, look through that. That's kind of been my go-to. That, for me, is like my HTML5 boilerplate. That's like my starting point. And then, then you modify those things. And it's got right. convenience things like font size adjust. Uh, it really is nice. You know, HTML5 element display block, like to trigger that in IEs and junk. And then... You know, audio and video. There's so many sets. things that you can't even list them all. Like every line in there is a good line, essentially. And the idea is then you download that and then modify that. That way you're not resetting things just to reset them again. That's kind of the catchphrase for normalize. And it really was a good mm-hmm. idea. To to the Myro Reset's credit, that's what they intended that to be, too. It just really wasn't set up for that, you know? Like all the selectors were all smashed together. So it didn't really encourage you to be like, oh, I see. This is, you know... This is there's not a lot of compound selectors and normalizers, a few, but not really that many. And it's kind of like it, it looks like the beginning of a normal style sheet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think I, I for me, it's like normalize for something that's a big deal. That's going to be big. But like star margin padding zero is is quick and dirty and probably going to get you there it could go to production no problem but that's that's what i would say okay let's do another one chris let's do that um nate cornelius uh writes in here ddos attacks are becoming more and more common these days and i've recently had the privilege of dealing with them Dealing with one myself on my client's WordPress site. I was able to repair the damage, but I don't know for sure how the hacker got in. I'm wondering what your experiences are with these types of hacking attempts and what methods used to secure your sites and servers from DDoS, specifically for WordPress sites. I think I sense a slight bit of confusion here. Um, mm-hmm. when, I, when I read repair the damage, I was like, that seems like a like an intrusion, like they were able to access some of your files, like your database was screwed up or theme files were screwed up or something. That is a different type of attack than DDoS. DDoS is dedicated denial of service, I think. I'm not an expert here, but the the deal with those is there's a ton of computers out there making requests against your server, so many, in fact, that your server cannot handle it, and it goes down, and it just sustains. They just keep doing it, and it's a very difficult thing to fight against. You know, servers just mm-hmm. there is no g- wonderful way to to handle too many requests incoming. It's just kind of one of the fundamental ways the internet works, and the, you know, it just it's hard to filter out those things. I don't think there's a you know a WordPress plugin you can install to 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 fight DDoS. It's just too yeah, yeah. it's just not going to happen. I've heard that Cloudflare does a pretty good job of helping you fight against them. So that's kind of like a a CDNS esque thing that sits in front of your site. That's I've heard nothing but good things about. Yeah, your your only fight against a DDoS is to make sure everything's cached and your assets are on the CDN so that when they're hitting you, they're only hitting an HTML, CSS, and JavaScript file. Sure, it's not like, like making database requests and stuff. And this is just good practice anyway. Yeah, because, I mean, a, a DDoS, like it could have been a bona fide attack and like, I'm super sorry, but it also could have been you, you had a memory leak in your WordPress <laughs> yeah. and, and cause those two attack, those two things look the same. I mean, we had an issue where if Trent or I's website got more than a thousand visitors, like in an hour, it would fall over. And it was just, we were running out of memory because of some dumb plugin we installed. And so, 
um, that, that it was just like a bummer. And so we had to get help to like get the caching layers like fully, fully, fully set up. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I, I would just make sure it's not your, like don't hand wash or bring your hands of, of that, that blame. But yeah, DDoS is really tough. Like the only thing you can do is cash hard and, and hopefully survive it. It's like a thunderstorm. And they try to exhaust your memory and wipe out your computer. And uh, but one thing that can happen, and this is we should talk about the next one, like the brute force or whatever. Um, but one thing that can happen if your WordPress falls over and you have like error messaging and stuff like that, um, it shouldn't do this. But there's like a chance that it could be like failed database connection with password, blah blah blah. Oh, or really? Something. Like a like the the server logs can cough up your database connection info. Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't do that, but it's, I've seen that sort of thing happen. And so it's like, it's like womp womp. You're like freaking like, you know, or, or at least it has the username. And so that's like one key for the whole token or what, you know? And so the next level, how they probably got in, if they got in is through brute force, right? which is basically you just send a robot at it and it tries, you know, username admin because right. it knows everyone has admin as and a WordPress username. And WordPress even, I think, I think even tells you if you have the username correct or not, which is just one of those yeah, like UX but, things. Like it's really nice. That's convenient if you know that you got that part wrong for the user, but it, it does kind of reduce security just a little bit. But if you use a mega secure password, you should be fine. Brute force isn't going to hurt you if you use a password generated by one password, you know? It's just not mm. going to happen. The, but there's other ways in, too. There's, you know, I got into your server somehow, or you had your file permissions wrong on files, and I was able to, you know, initiate changes to them that way. Or, or there's yeah. an XML RPC bug or something that, that was able to, you know, submit a post request to request a, a change and got in that way. You know, there used to be stuff like that. I think that's kind of fixed up now. But, you know, there's any number of ways that hackers can get in. But DDoS is a special kind that, that isn't really about hacking your server. It's about flooding you with requests. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's probably plugins you can install if you like somebody tries to log in three times, you lock them with the wrong password, you lock them out for like 10 minutes mm-hmm. and say chill. And that's kind of that doesn't stop the robot from trying to log in, but it will like chill it out. And, and the whole thing is is time like to crack a 40 character password or something like that. But what if your client only has a six character password to crack like a six character password? That's like a day and a half of computing or something like that. And then to crack a 40 character password, that's like the rest of your 10 years or something. And so that's the thing is you just got to kind of, I don't know, just kind of, and if you do that, like lockout, then it takes more time. And so that's better. Indeed. Um, I use so, I use a, a CDN and all that stuff, and I use Security as well, which is a firewall kind of thing that does some of those lockouts, which is pretty useful for both the server and for WordPress itself. Um, I I have been hacked before, like a few things. Like I had a friend who was he's like a QA guy, and he turned a robot on this forum I was managing. He like just unleashed this like whatever like fake chatbot on this this thing and like 
it was thousands of messages within a few minutes. And I was just like, what the crap, you know, it was terrible. My servers were going down. That stinks. You know, you just have to kind of figure out workarounds. And then I've also been hacked. Like we made this client site and then like, we were like, yeah, sure. This seems secure, you know? And then like all of a sudden it's like, you've been hacked by the Iraqi liberation front or something like that. And it was just like, Oh man, uh, just big, Oh no, uh, propaganda on our, our page. And so it's, it stinks and you have to like clean it up. So make sure you have backups too. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think using open source for us has been a big help because if there's a security issue, it's you, people are usually, you know, it's kind of the, what is the open source mantra? Just like a thousand eyes. What? Ah, I'm going to Google it. Cause I'm, I'm, uh, interested. Um, given enough eyeballs, all bugs are shallow. Mm, that's, that's even better. That's from the cathedral in the bazaar, a good, really good read on open source written in 1999, kind of pre-web. It's actually about open source of email clients. Uh, like terminal-based email clients. It's really good. Um, yeah, so given all enough eyeballs, all bugs are shallow. That certainly uh, relates to the WordPress situation because there's a lot of eyeballs on it. And it's one of the, it's a classic. It's the same, you know, Mac versus PC thing too. You know, everybody was, PC, Macs don't get bugs, but then it, the real reason for that was that, you know, if you're a person who makes bugs, certainly the market for you is a lot more lucrative on the Windows side. So that's why uh, it's just well, yeah, that it's, way. And that's the same kind of thing with WordPress. WordPress sites are attacked more because there's a, it's easier to write scripts that will be more bang for your buck, you know, even though they tend to be more secure than anything else. You know, that's what I was kind of trying to get in that when we were talking with, uh, when we were working or uh, uh, talking with Bastion about Kirby and stuff. Kirby, I'm sure, is great. He's a genius guy. I can't wait to play with Kirby or whatever. But I feel like if the whole world were compromised of Kirby sites, that it would have a similar problem too. There'd be people trying to to mess with the scripts of Kirby, or or there'd be people out there that just suck at file permissions, and they would screw up, and they would have access to these scripts, and they'd be running them and messing with people's sites, or the files that Kirby was generated had the wrong file permissions because of weird server setup, and people were able to you know, affect them too. Like it would be a bigger target. So people would do it. It's just, that's the case here too. We've it's quite the tangent. Is No, I, I mean, it's, it fits in. <laughs> it's relevant. Okay, good. <laughs> Don't worry. Oh yeah. I'm, it's, I'm trying to think of, you know, what, what I, there is a big move um, towards SSL on everything. Have you kind of been following that, like Ilya Gregoric and all that? Um, it, it's Google's kind of advocating to SSL everything mm -hmm. or GTFO because, like, that's maybe like one of the simplest things you can do to. It's weird timing secure. for that, isn't it? Because it was kind of like it comes off the heel of two very major problems with SSL certificates where if you were SSL, it was like more dangerous for a hot minute there. Yeah. What was it? It was like heart bleed. Yeah, and then and another then, one after that. Uh, monkey, monkey face or Definitely something. Monkey face. That's, that's <laughs> it. Uh, yeah. And then like Google's like, we're writing our own SSL, boring SSL. And, and like how many of us <laughs> like front enders who like, I don't know, making <laughs> things spin around in CSS are like, 
yeah, tell me more about SSL handshakes because I'm super into that. Like none of us. So uh, I don't know. We, we should get a security dude. On we should. It would be interesting. Like what does the world look like when we're 25% HTTPS? You know, like is it a world of like where people – where there's so many errors being thrown for non-secure content that we stop – we stop thinking about it, and then that's like a worse world. Like, and then it's like Boy Who Cried Wolf, you know, security errors. I know, I know. Um, Alex Sexton, uh, friend of the show, uh, he has done a lot of security stuff because he's working at Stripe, you know, and Stripe obviously has to be a little bit secure with with their uh, protocols. Uh, so, and maybe we could get him back on the show and talk about kind of what he's learning about security. Uh, anyway, send us your security questions, and we'll we'll put a show together. We'll definitely half send answer it. them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here's a <laughs> don't use password one two three. That's my security tip. <laughs> here's a here's here's somewhere where you could learn a little bit about security. I just ran a search on their website just for fun. Lynda dot com slash shop talk. If you go to there. It's, it looks a little bit different than their normal sign-up page because all the little buttons say try it for free instead of sign up now or whatever it normally says. You can pick any one of the plans and you get that plan for free for a week where you normally don't get that if you don't go to the lynd.com slash shop talk URL. So definitely go to that URL to do it. Anyway, um, there's so many courses on there. I have a WordPress course on there. I, I look at the course every single week. There's just shooting out courses on there. There's so much, you know. Because they're so big, it's a big company. They can pay, uh, pay lots of authors, and it's it's kind of a cool thing. Actually, they fly you out. And they have these soundproof booths. I remember when I did my course, I sat down in this chair, and the chair is like so well oiled that it makes like no sound. It's like you're sitting on a cloud because they, you know, that's like the care they put into recording these courses. They're so high quality. <laughs> but I was looking at some courses they they just released. These are brand hot off the presses. InDesign typography dissects the anatomy of a typeface and defines the vocabulary of typography using practical real-world examples in InDesign. Writing for the web. Get practical techniques for writing for the web, including tips on front-loading content, avoiding jargon, keeping your content up-to-date, selling on the Amazon marketplace. Sell and market your products on Amazon using the the online retailing giants marketplace for third-party sellers. I don't know anything about that. It would be totally interesting to listen to that. It's kind of like... It's an eBay too, you know. I always kind of knew that, but I didn't. I don't really understand how it works. I could totally learn it through there. All this stuff related to all the stuff we do, but of course they have all the stuff you know that we talk about on Chop Talk Show here to HTML, CSS, JavaScript, CMSs, backend languages, all that stuff. You can learn lynda.com slash shop talk. Thanks for sponsoring. Let's do this one, Christian Kramer. He's talking about SVGs, so it's kind of like he says. I've recently started using SVGs instead of an icon font. Good. You know I support that. However, I'm still struggling with the right technique. First, I tried with the use technique like you describe in your article, but I think it's not the answer to everything because these decorative things like you use for the tabs on CSSTricks.com shouldn't go into your HTML. They should remain in the CSS because they're, you know, they're a background image essentially. That's what they look like if you go look at them. Secondly, can't you, you, you can't access these use SVGs with JavaScript, which is also quite of a bummer. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, for that last one, I, I guess I just don't know what you mean because you certainly can ac- access them with JavaScript. All use does is clone uh, an element. 
uh, and put that new SVG there, and you, it's in the DOM, and you can totally access it with JavaScript. So if there's something you can't do, I don't know, make a code pen or something, or or, or send it back in or whatever. But that's you know there might be something specific you're mentioning that is a limitation that I'm not aware of or I can't think of I, right now. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand that either. Because what I mean, what could you do to an image or an icon font that would be different? Like, yeah, I don't know. Make. Make it I'm sure he has something in oh. mind, so I don't want to dis- discount okay. it off right. And then, but he's saying, like, you know, how I'm using them on CSS tricks for the tabs up there. Uh, it does kind of feel like a background image, but really, you know, it, that's just, I feel like it's your mind playing tricks on you a little bit. It's a little bit like an icon, you know, an icon just can be a, you know, a, just a visual signifier of what that kind of thing is. You know, if you have a, a follow me button with a little person with a little hand holding up, is that, is that, is that, you know, bad? Is, you know, like, can't, isn't that okay that there's a, an HTML element there that represents that little dude holding his hand up? Uh, or does it, is it have to be in CSS? You know, I'd argue that it's, it's okay. You know, throwing a, a span in there to put that little dude there is fine. And just in even more semantic than a span, which means nothing, is an SVG tag that says, hey, there's a little image right here. You can, uh, you can apply ARIA roles to hide it if it's not important content to tab to. Uh, you can uh, apply ARIA roles to describe the content better if you want to. Accessibility-wise, it, it's, it's perfectly okay. So to say that, you know, to be a total purist and say that you, you absolutely should shouldn't uh, put anything decorative whatsoever in the HTML, I just think is a little too strict. And uh, it's just not that big of a deal, uh, especially uh, for the important things like accessibility and making a web page look how you want it to. Yeah. This was your old version, like just prior to your recent release? Is that no, right? No, it's the current one. If, if You only see the tabs if the browser window is, is fairly wide, you know, and then it... Oh. Have you seen that? Yeah. They look They look like, you know, tabs that you... You know, I don't know. Oh, the, like the curved slope. The curved slope, and that's that's a that shape is trivially small amount of SVG, and I can just All repeat right. it over and over and over. I can say use, 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 use five times in a row. It doesn't replicate any code, um, and I can apply different background colors to it as I have there or whatever. So you're right. There is an SVG tag in the markup for each one of those tabs, just like there's an HTML tag in the markup for the magnifying glass above there that's an svg and there's just you know there's sometimes things on pages have html that represents them i get i take the point in that like a lot of times backgrounds are applied via css that are just decorative because they they really are truly just decorative and 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 hold no meaning and you could probably classify these tabs as such you know like it's but just, I don't know that we need to draw a line in the sand and say that everything like that absolutely is not allowed to be in the HTML whatsoever. I do declare. Especially since we're... You s- use the content image as decoration. That is... That's what an icon it. next to every button in the world is. Yeah, I mean, if you're... Like, you would add... If you're using an icon font or something, you'd have to use... Maybe have to use some kind of element. You would you to absolutely it, have to. But, There's no way to use an icon um, font as a back in just CSS. At best, you'd have to inject it with with CSS content, which is, I guess, that CSS. But it still ends up being content, and you need an HTML tag to put it there, for the most part, anyway, so that you can use the proper ARIA attribute to hide it. Yeah, it's. I mean, I wonder if you could do it with a background image, just to like whatever make make it make everything right in the world, but. 
Then you can't have different colors, at... right? So the reason I went with use, 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 use is because then I can just uh, use the same one over and over again, but style it differently in CSS. Now it's not that big of a deal. I could have made five different versions of these tabs and put in, you know, uh, data URI'd them and put them in my CSS. And we've we've learned in the past that doing that is actually fairly. It it, it bloats the size of the .css file, but once it's gzipped, because those they're so similar of long strings. They will actually gzip pretty well, so it's not something to worry about because the only thing that's changing is is one little fill color. The hex, yeah. So it's pretty efficient, but I like I like the use technique. I'm using the use technique all over the site for everything, so why not make this a part of that system? Then it's all one system, you know. I'm not like above critique here. I take the point, you know. It's just like I don't feel like I'm like offending the universe here. I don't think it's just a like it's a disaster here. If we want to talk about what's good for the entire web or whatever, maybe. Yeah, I mean, an inexpensive way to to get this to happen, you know, and uh, I think it's clever. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think lighten up just a bit unless you need something. I mean, you would have trouble if your navigation was, like, being generated by a content management system maybe or something, but maybe you're already doing that. Right back in, Christian. We'll talk about it. What do we got here from Brody Austin? Next question. Brody writes in, I have a question for you about overriding inline styles in the content management system. I have a situation where people are creating and editing content in Google Docs, then pasting content over from uh, to the CMS. Uh, sometimes Docs behaves and doesn't include a bunch of inline styles. Sometimes it isn't so nice. <laughs> So uh, this is the classic Microsoft Word. I'm sure this makes a lot of people just shake in their boots because it's kind of like gross, you know. Like you're sitting on a site where people, who knows what's in those content fields, just copy and pasted insanity. I'm sure. You you want to avoid yeah. that, like you know. There's that classic text area in all CMSs that's just like content goes here. And you, you just the the ideal situation in there is it's so clean, you know. It's just there might be a little bit of markup in there, maybe a couple of headers or or, or or something, but definitely no like, you know, spans upon spans and you know div with class float left on you know style float left on it, like nasty stuff like that. And it's really not the WordPress or the the you know if if you're copying and pasting content, in, it's not Google Docs fault. It's not Microsoft Word's fault, really. Uh, maybe I mean, I guess we don't need to talk about blame very much, but they're trying to make sure that what you designed there lives on wherever else you put it. And it's just you mm -hmm. being a bummer by putting it into a CMS where it's just kind of locked into that format forever. It doesn't really like jive with the web very well. So the ideal is that you clean that stuff out. You put really clean content in that content area in your CMS. Really try to avoid the copying and pasting from Google Docs thing. Yeah, um, for me, it's it seems like an education problem. Um, WordPress and Tiny MCE, the like kind of quintessential WYSIWYG editor thing. Uh, those have like a paste from Word kind of sanitizer thing. So it, you put all your Word pastings in there and then it'll like clean it up and, and sanitize that data. I, I think that's like kind of super important 
um, if you're like they're just copying and and putting muddy data into like a blank text field or something, you may need to look into your programming language or your frameworks of choices uh, way to sanitize HTML. And there's probably a way to just like, yeah, you don't get tags. You get spaces and colons and commas, and that's it. Um, so yeah, there may be a, a, a robotic step that you have to do or just in education like hey notice you know everyone i'll train you but if you're pasting from word use this little paste from word button um and it's pretty ubiquitous and people mess up but again it's like an education issue uh, we've had to do that it, it's hard but um you know it, it's it's tough i, I there's been a few like attempts to like make a WYSIWYG that's like only allows bold and well, like a few that's other. That's why I'm such a fan of Markdown. It's like just make them use Markdown. It's guaranteed. That, you know my my friend Zach over at South by Southwest did that. He like mandated Markdown across the board, and like everybody's life got better. <laughs> so it was like no pink text, you know, right. no centered poems and it's already <laughs> and it's like, like live that. through time like it's so. it's like it's made it we didn't there's not just some new language that just happens to seem like a smart idea it's like the one that the world has chosen markdown will live forever mm-hmm. and and it's like native support in wordpress like out of the box almost like oh jetpack yeah. but bingo bango now really you're... good too i'm a big fan of it although i'm Okay, let's not get into it. But I'm like having <laughs> you got feels about Markdown. Uh, it's just it needs to be as it's deeply integrated in WordPress. It needs to um, be thought of a little better. Somebody needs to spend a little bit more time with it. For example, WordPress because it absolutely has to for things like comments needs to be careful about what it allows and doesn't allow. It allows some. Strong tags, M tags. You know, there's a whitelist of tags that it allows. It doesn't allow things like scripts and, and and just actually like a lot of tags. Like you can't just write a head tag in a comment. It just it, that's not one of the ones that's allowed. That's just weird and it doesn't allow it. It strips it. The problem is it, I think, and I'm pretty sure about this, strips before it runs Markdown. So the problem with that is if you have Markdown in a fenced code block, say you go back tick back tick back tick and then you just drop in a chunk of html and you don't have to escape it because that's the beauty of markdown it, it does the escaping for you very nice then go back tick back tick back tick it's going to strip all the stuff it doesn't like in there and then run markdown which sucks yeah. because it's like no you markdown should escape all that stuff meaning it's not dangerous anymore it's totally benign you can even put a script tag in there whatever it's just it'll just escape it and show it so it's just that needs to be fixed. And the problem is so it works differently like in the content of a blog post. It works differently in the comments. I've I've hooked it up to BB Press and it works differently there too. And it works differently depending on what access level you have as a user because uh, as an admin I can post whatever I want. So I have to make sure that when I'm taste testing this that I test the different access levels of people. So now there's like 15 varieties of ways I can post things in Markdown in the site that need to be tested. And it's just kind of a mess. And I really, 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 really need some help with it. So I have two guys I'm like reaching out to are like WordPress geniuses, but they're just people like that are so busy. They don't have time to deal with stupid CSS tricks.com's posting problems, you know? 
So I like I need like a WordPress genius who also has like you know dev hours who can dig into this. Yeah, you know, money isn't. It's it's funny when you're like. <laughs> You think money would be the ultimate motivator, but it's not. You have to appeal to people on a more fundamental level to hire for jobs like this. And that's it, because you have to intercept the comment posting. For- yeah, like I'm asking for some pretty fundamental changes here, and 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 so even if people like fundamentally understand what needs to happen, it's like doing that in a really WordPress responsible way is yet another question. And should it be upstreamed, you know, or is this just an esoteric weird thing that's just for CSS tricks? I mean, or or what, you know? I'm down with it either way. Of course, selfishly, I just I need it fixed for my site, but like, of course, I would like it if if these changes were actually indicative of larger problems in all these software products that could be upstream, that would be cool. I don't know. Uh, so I, I guess it's a good shout out for yeah. shop talk show. If you, if you feel like you could take out, if you understand exactly what I'm talking about and have the chops for it, reach out to me. Oh my God. I'd love to give you money to fix this. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm giving away money. Here on the shop talk show. <laughs> I absolutely am. <laughs> All right. Should we do we one should, more? We should. Okay. Magnus von Bromson writes in, uh, why is there no good text editor for OSX? I'm so tired of these. Mo- Sorry. My sickness makes him sound way here. tired of these multi-platform <laughs> editors like Adam sublime and brackets. I would gladly give away my money. Uh, just give me split window code completion. Emmett. Projects, quick nav symbols like classes, uh, highlighting tag pair, fuzzy find, and a genuine OSX experience. Then I'll be happy. Magnus is not pleased with the state of text code text editors for OSX. He doesn't like Adam, doesn't like Sublime, doesn't like brackets. Uh, but this is what he wants. He wants split windows. Uh, Sublime t- definitely has that. Does, does Adam... You use Adam now. Adam's got it. Oh heck yeah! I don't know about brackets. I've heard brackets is good, but it has some way to go. But I don't. I don't know. I, I haven't. I haven't spent any time with it at all. I like that it's written think, in HTML, CSS, JavaScript. That's pretty cool. So I think all of these actually have what you literally want. every like, single like, thing that you listed there. At least Adam and Sublime have projects in Adam is kind of weak, and I I I don't know if you're looking for like Coda style projects where it's like this kind of beautiful experience or something like that um, what does that mean exactly anyway like a, a file that you well, double like, click so, and it opens the whole thing with the when you open coda you get like a sites view list which is and it's so it's like thumbnails or, or posters of all your websites like the live yeah, pre, like it goes those, out and fetches a screenshot true right right uh so that's it i find that actually cool because you're like visually browsing your work mm-hmm. you know uh, but maybe that's not what he wants. Maybe he just wants project configs and hides and stuff. But like a lot that. of that's just kind of on um, you to have project config in that folder or whatever. But I know Sublime Text kind yeah. of has it. You can make like a project's like alias that you click and it opens up that project. But I, And I think there's some per project, like if this project has different tab settings or whatever, I think that works in Sublime. I've never quite figured it out. I'm sure that's rudimentary stuff. I just, I don't have that many projects and the settings are largely the same across all of them. So I'm not that worried about it. But I think that the, all those things that you want are are in those editors. I mean, maybe I'm not right. I mean, but I just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm i kind of wondering if you have like Something a... Something else in a, mind. 
a, a unicorn or a, a, an ideal that could never be met by any editor. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of what like the native OSX experience would be that that you're not getting, you know, in in some kind of editor. I mean, the native OSX that editor feel is real. Like I get it when, when Xcode, you, right? like for example, I've been I used Inkscape a little bit recently. Man, have you ever fired up Inkscape on a Mac? Not no. good. It uses this weird, like, X11 something something. It, like, synthesizes a totally different UI world that's not – it doesn't use any native anything. So it's it's like GIMP under the hood or something? Yeah, is GIMP like that too where it has weird files? Yeah, yeah, it just looks ugly. Yeah, Yeah. like, and you know, whatever. If it produces amazing SVG, fine. I I didn't find it to be particularly nice. And honestly, I think maybe we have a question about this. Maybe it's in this show, but maybe it's in the next one. But we are not going to finish all these, unfortunately, this week. But uh, I've been using Sketch, and Sketch is sweet. Okay, so like like Pixelmator and Sketch and and those, those are, guys, those, those feel are very like Mackie native. Sure. And then like a Photoshop is a non-native. Yeah, but at least it uses the file, you know, like like the you know like native controls. Right, it looks it's like a tweener, you know, whereas Inkscape is a hundred percent not there. I don't know, Magnus. I would I would I would try these Adam and Sublime in brackets again. I, you know, it, it just seems like it's got all the stuff that you want and uh, it's not, they're not that on OS XE, you know, maybe try Coda. Yeah. I mean, if, if anybody's all in on the, on Mac only it's panic, you know? Oh yeah, dude. Coda is, is, I mean, Coda just released 2.5. I was um, thinking about trying to switch to it and just not use any of the FTP stuff. Just try to use it as an editor, but it just, I'm not sure if I get there. Do you get a good local sidebar? I guess you kind of do, right? It just seems weird how the tab, the tab, there's no tabs. They're just like weird documents up in the top. It's like different enough that I didn't take to it right away. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I I would check it out. I I just noticed, (laughs) anyway, just noticed there's a Triforce in their (laughs) their, uh, UI, or at least they're like, Video preview. Um, so I'm curious about what that's about. Um, Copyright infringement. Yeah. Hey, what's up? No, but my friend Matt Thompson works there, uh, and so I'm I'm like, dude, did you Easter egg me or no? But probably not. But uh, I mean, this this is like I think it's well, there is a, get a lot better. In their little uh, in their little web yeah. previewy thing. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I like it. Um, but. Yeah, so I mean, if you want native, 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 it's gonna be it's gonna be this, you know. So it's that's your only choice, kind of, as far as I know. Um, and they do, but they maybe don't have all the other features that you're looking for. But it does do split window. I think there's an Emmet plugin. Uh, code completion in in uh, Coda is actually super good. Um, it, it was really hard to actually move away from that. You know, and quick nav symbols. I don't, they maybe just added that. So, anyway, something to think about. Hopefully, Magnus, we uh, answered your question. But I like Adam. I'm in Adam land. I love it. I, I mean, the, the, the whole thing about these edit, like Sublime and Adam, is like you make it yours. You like just mess with uh, it until I it's yours. With it big time today. Like, like, Take a day. I, I got the like, SETI on the clock. Have you guys used that one yet? I know you're on a different one now. Oh. But 
the the theme I got mm-hmm. is called SETI UI. Adi Osmani tweeted about it and it got like a zillion retweets the other day and I was like, I'm gonna try it. Oh, it's hot, hot, hot. Oh, yeah. really? It's got like they just somebody put a lot of time in it. Like every kind of file type has like really nice colorized icons next oh, to it. Oh, is that good or is that distracting? I like it so far. Yeah. I've only used it one day though. Actually, up in the top would be sweet. I don't, yeah, in the top would be nice. I didn't think of that. It might be a I little distracting in the, in the side. They're a little version. small, actually, but maybe if they were bigger, it would be obnoxious. But it's just, it's nice. It's nicely designed, I think. What I, um, God, I, I had a thought and it, and it went away. Maybe I'll think of it. What I don't like is how generic it is without a theme. Like the, the Sublime Text 3 with, with no modifications at all is a little drab to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when the first time I opened <laughs> a Sublime Text, I was like, "No!" Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What is this garbage? This is a, this looks terrible." But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I'm on Adam, man. I like it. It feels native enough. I know it's like React and stuff. It's like a web view, but that's actually something I kind of like about it. I like that it's just HTML, CSS, and JavaScript yeah, that I use to write HTML. It makes me CSS, think JavaScript. that the, that it, that makes it a possibility that a true brackets comes to the web, you know. And that's I, I'm just obviously a supporter of code editing in the web. I have a vested interest in that, so I want that to continue to be good. It, brackets you can't use mm-hmm. on the web yet, but I think you could. The technology's there. Yeah, and I think anyone who's like kind of trying that sort of thing is using brackets on the back end or, or like front end, middle end, middle. Well, it depends. I mean, there's code mirror, there's yeah. Adam and there's this apparently. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, brackets might um, even be based on one of the two of those. I'm not even sure. No, I think it was, there's a custom. It might've been a code mirror thing, but I think it was just like a hack day. Yeah. Let's see it's code mirror. Here. And then it's like, yeah. Okay. Which is cool. That's the, I don't know. Like it was a weird day at CodePen because we had to we had to pick Adam or CodeMirror, and a lot of people like both ones. And I'm I'm trying to. Uh, I think we made the right choice, and it's, it's it seems to be playing out that well, you know. Because it would be just a it would be a rough day if we had to switch <laughs> switch yeah. over to Adam for for a render. <clears throat> yeah, that that's like a nightmare. Scenario. I get it though. Adam sometimes sure. can feel nice. They have a little bit of a different feel to them. I think. It uh, it like it got an upgrade, so they switched over to React for their rendering and everything. Adam so did. It got an upgrade. Um, I was gonna. We need to wrap up the show. The time is out. But I want. I googled security web application security. Got a Wikipedia thing, and the the top security threats are cross site scripting, definitely SQL injection. Definitely. Path disclosure, like you say, they know the path to your my super secret admin site, and then DDoS is is number four at like five percent of all attacks, and then four percent is arbitrary code execution. So they found a way, you know, Six to is just you, they hit execute you on the head with a frying pan. It's a little it's a little more yeah. rare, but one percent of all attacks are frying pan related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's or a piano falls from the sky. Oh, my wife poured hot bacon grease <laughs> yeah. on my feet. <laughs> Jiminy crickets. 
<laughs> what was that? We watched that. You saw that football yeah. video today with the good God almighty Joe. That was so great. Oh, whatever. Oh, these two Texan announcers announce a high school football game. It's, it's, it's worth watching so, just for the accents. All right, Chris, we need to wrap this up. We'll talk up. to you soon, folks. Uh, I'll do Dave's thing where you yeah, follow, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, buy our products. Um, and yeah, uh, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you guys. You guys are the greatest. And keep sending in your questions. We we and buy the buy products from our sponsors. They're great. They're good people. And you can learn iOS in a month and stuff. So do it. Yeah. Shopdogshow.com. <laughs>